Just four games on the Pac-12 slate this weekend, and we're going through all four. Plenty of spice on the schedule. Worry you not. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Pack 12 which is why, if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Big thank you and shout-out to everybody who has done so already. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts, and we start and we'll end today's show with Richie Bradshaw of Locked On Sun Devils, as we often do here in our Thursday edition of the show. Richie, not a typical trap Thursday to uh, to come on here and talk about because three of the four games featuring Pac-12 teams this week, which is a low number in it of itself are single-digit lines, which means this should be a highly competitive weekend, no? You would think. I mean, looking at these games, you know, typical of what we try to market is Trap Thursday just doesn't feel like there's a trap this week. It feels like there's really good games this week, but obviously the one really big one that we're going to have to talk a lot about here. Yeah, the game in the Pac-12, college game day. It's even got Josh Pate. For those of you that uh, watch or listen to the late kick out there with Josh Pate, as I do, he's going up there on the every given Saturday tour. So there's a lot of attention on UCLA and Oregon, and understandably so, Richie. This is a top 10 showdown. The winner will be undefeated in Pac-12 play and in the driver's seat, continuing to control their own destiny for reaching the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas later this year. Start big picture. What do you think about this game going into it and and which side are you leaning towards this is going to be one heck of a game the pac-12 has treated us to some very good bouts this year and this at this point in time is the biggest one that we have gotten to see yet this feels bigger than utah and usc was this feels bigger than utah oregon this feels bigger than uh ucla washington this just feels like probably the biggest matchup so far until obviously we get to the conference championship number nine uh, UCLA. Yeah. Number nine UCLA is going to Eugene to play number 10, Oregon. Look, UCLA is playing out of their minds right now. Dorian Thompson Robinson is building a Heisman trophy case that nobody wants to pay attention to. And he's just been absolutely insane this year, but Bo Nix is playing very very good football as well and it's hard to ignore what he's been able to do for the ducks this year outside of that one loss this year to start the year against georgia they have been putting up 40 plus points in every single game they're right back to being what oregon normally is and i'll tell you right now i like the ducks at home yeah it's a big advantage for the ducks to be playing at home you you cannot overlook that the line's currently sitting Around Oregon, minus six, six and a half, depending on uh, where you look. We, of course, look at Bet Online. It's sitting at six right now, but that is subject to change depending on whether or when exactly you might be listening to or watching the show. But 
I'm with you on DTR. You know, not a lot of people are talking about him, even though UCLA has gotten the sort of respect from national media pundits like College Game Day talking heads that, that they have earned this season. 15 touchdowns to two interceptions in six games, 75% completion percentage. He's run for several touchdowns as well. He he really is the total package. As Oregon looks to try and slow him down, is there a way to slow him down that you've seen, Richie? I just don't think that there is. I think it, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson has become one of those classic phrases of you can't stop him, you can only hope to contain him. I think that's what DTR has become at this point this year. He's just so far ahead of the curve. Clearly, the amount of years that he has played down in uh, in Pasadena have absolutely added up and rounded him out into a very talented quarterback and athlete and just offensive weapon. He's playing better than he ever has before. He's well into the 70% completions. Dude was hovering around the mid-60s before that. He's not turning the ball over, and he's scoring touchdowns. This this guy, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Caleb Williams is probably the best quarterback in the Pac-12, but if it's not him, it's Dorian Thompson-Robinson right now. I think Caleb Williams has the highest potential ceiling, but if Caleb Williams were putting up the numbers that DTR is at this point in time, we'd be talking about him as a Heisman candidate and right. fulfilling all of that potential. Cause one thing you also have to consider is one of those two interceptions from Dorian Thompson Robinson this season came late in the game against Utah when the result had already been decided. Right. So he's not just taking care of the ball. He's doing it even more than you think. And when you have the ball on offense, it turns out it makes it a lot easier to score points. And UCLA has been doing just that. The reason I feel good about Oregon here, Richie, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, plenty of people out there know already, I'm sure, that, that I am an Oregon guy, is that this game is being played in Eugene. If it was neutral site or if it was down in Los Angeles, even though the Bruins don't have a great home field advantage, I would like UCLA. But in Onsen Stadium, a UCLA team that has played five out of their six games this year at home, their only road game is at Colorado, who we'll get to a little bit later in the show and whether or not they could pull what would be a dramatic upset given the betting line against Oregon State. Does that give you pause at all? Because that's the biggest thing that that I look at as an obstacle for UCLA that is just tough to overcome is if you go and go three and out on your first possession and the crowd really gets into it and then Oregon goes down and scores and then you have the crowd noise on top of you, that's a lot different to respond to than it is doing it at home in front of a, a friendly crowd, however large it may be. It's a massive factor. Everyone knows that Eugene is one of the most difficult places to travel and play in college football, not just in the Pac-12, across the entire college football landscape. People know where Eugene, Oregon is. It's a very difficult place to play. They've been a great team for the better half of two decades, I guess I would go, probably even a little longer than that, honestly. Oregon's down years are great years for other teams. Oregon's down years have been some of UCLA's best years in recent history. And Oregon, like I said, like they had that one really bad loss. They put up three points against Georgia. Since then, have put up at least 40 points in every single game. UCLA is a very good football team. They're not a, they're not an elite football team. Not saying that Oregon is, but they stack up very well against each other. I would like Oregon in a neutral site. I would 
I would probably do a coin flip if it was in Pasadena. And I certainly am positive taking them in Eugene. So yes, being in Eugene is a massive factor here. Uh, it doesn't like secure a win by any means, but it makes me a lot more confident with Oregon at home than it would be if UCLA was at home. I like Oregon in this game. And it's a matchup that that Oregon has dominated, but this one feels different from all the others because this mm-hmm. UCLA team is different than all the others. And we'll tell you why it has the makings of a shootout after I remind you that if you or someone you know is dealing with sweat issues or body odor or some combination of the two, you got to go check out Sweat Block. I've had this issue myself when I'm out on the golf course and it's hot and I'm sweating. It is not a great feeling. And I know that I start to smell bad. Everybody does. Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and it is doctor recommended. If you are someone you love, like for instance, if Richie was struggling with something like this and he is someone who I most definitely adore, I would recommend he go check out Sweat Block. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. I'm not trying to send you a message or anything, Richie. You're not smelling through the uh, the laptop here or anything like that. At least n- not yet. We'll see by the end of the show. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. So this game between Oregon and UCLA has the makings of a shootout because both offenses coming off buys, so there might be a little rust there in the early going, which I also think tends to favor Oregon because you have the home crowd to kind of pick you up, whereas the home crowd is trying to take UCLA down, so to speak. And if you have those shaky moments, I think it's a lot tougher to to iron out those potential kinks on the road. But both offenses, as you alluded to, Richie, have been absolutely humming. I mean, UCLA much like USC, put up over 40 points on Utah. Now, the Utes defense is not what it was a season ago, but it's still Utah, and that's still where they place a lot of emphasis, and they've still got some players on that side of the ball, and those two offenses, I think it's more testament to what they can do rather than what the Utah defense can't do, though, again, they they certainly have taken a step back from a year ago. But something to factor into this game as well, Richie, You have a couple of hot offenses. You have a lot of playmakers. On both sides, you have a ton of playmakers. Bo Nix can run. We know DTR can run. Zach Charbonnet and Bucky Irving are the two highest-graded running backs in the Pac-12 this season, according to Pro Football Focus. Troy Franklin's emerged as a wide-receiving threat for Oregon. Jake Bobo is coming into a zone for UCLA. A lot of names to watch on both sides, which does, on the surface, make you look at it and go, okay, there are going to be a lot of points in this game. However, the caveat here, Richie, have you looked at the forecast for Eugene, Oregon this coming Saturday? I have not. Please fill there, me in. There is a saying in Oregon football lore, it never rains at Autzen Stadium. I've been to many games there. It's just that. It's, it's lore and myth because it can rain. And I remember in 2013, it was a monsoon of a football game. And it was really hard to score. And if that rain is coming down hard, you're going to have a fascinating matchup. Oregon's rushing game, which is really effective this year, fourth in the country in yards per carry. UCLA's rushing game, which has DTR and Zach Charbonnet and is really, really good. And these are the top two statistical rushing defenses in the conference this year. 
And you could see more of a slugfest than you might otherwise expect, Richie, because when that ball gets wet, it's tough to throw. You're relying on the ground game. Ball security is an issue. I mean, if it is a downpour during this game, we might not see that those sorts of fireworks. 100%. I feel like a lot of people were going to go into this game, and rightfully so, assuming that this is going to be like a 45-44 to 44 final. And this very well could be a game where it's like a 24-21 final. This is this is two very high-powered offenses going up against the elements. And more often than not, the elements are going to win that game every single time. It doesn't matter how good you are. It It's just... It's a factor that you you can only do so much to prepare for. And whether it rains or it pours or it's freezing and it's hard to run, you know, what whatever have you. There's there's all sorts of stuff that could play into this game to potentially make this a low-scoring game. I'm curious what the over-under is set at this game. Do you have that by chance? I do not on me. I can I can pull that up pretty easily. Uh, thanks to our friends, of course, at, at Bet Online, where the game who, starts. Yes, that is where the game starts. And this one between Oregon and UCLA has got an over-under currently at 72. Now, if the rain ends up being a light drizzle, then you're probably going to see plenty of points scored. But right. if it starts to really get going, it could make it tough for, for both offenses. And if you tell me that the rain will be significant... I think Oregon wins, but UCLA covers. But I think Oregon covers the more of a shootout situation you can get into because I think this is the best rushing attack that UCLA's stout run defense has seen so far by by quite a bit. But you and I both both like Oregon in that game. We'll see how the game of the week plays out. But let's get to the other games across the Pac-12 slate this weekend, including the game featuring your beloved Arizona State Sun Devils, who... In the lowest stakes game of the weekend, perhaps have the most interesting one. Arizona State goes at Stanford, who's feeling good after a win against Notre Dame. The Cardinal are three-point home favorites. Richie, David Shaw has been on the hot seat from the minute this season started, and I've been hosting the show, and we've talked about it several times. But if he wins this game, he can suddenly look up and say, to anyone questioning his job security, I'm a miracle touchdown away from being over 500 at this point in the season with some winnable games on the schedule. Kind of looks like Stanford. Like, is this a moment for Stanford to really turn the ship around here in 2022 after a dreadful start? Oh, it absolutely is. This is probably a must-win game for Stanford, honestly, if you're looking at this, because you got you got to go down to Pasadena after after this game. You got Wazoo at home. You got to go to Salt Lake City to play Utah, and you got to play uh, California on the road, and then you get BYU back at home in Palo Alto. It's not a dreadful schedule. It's not an easy schedule, but if you can get this win against Arizona State, like you said, you are essentially one absolute, like just mind-boggling college football hashtag Pac-12 after dark yes. magic away from being a four and three football team with a schedule that could still find you a way to get to that six win margin. But this, this is going to be a very telling game for Stanford because if they don't win this game, there's a good chance that they end up having a losing record this year. They still got two more ranked games. Wazoo won't be easy and BYU won't be easy. These, this is, this is one of the most pivotal games that Stanford will play this season. 
And it's a, it's, it's against a, a team that has two wins this year. Do you think Arizona State, just a three-point underdog, so the betting markets are expecting a close game? And frankly, that's what I would expect, too. And what's so interesting is this might be the closest line until either team, I don't know if ASU plays Cal. I know Stanford obviously does in uh, in, in the game every year. They but do not, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, ASU searching for wins, but this could certainly be one of them. But against most of the teams in the Pac-12, the ones we talk about predominantly here on the show, the UCLA's, Oregon, Utah, USC's of the world, you would have either of these teams as a double-digit underdog, right? Even against some of the other teams, right? The next tier of Washington, Oregon State, Washington State. None of these teams are going to be in that position. So Arizona State, I think, certainly can win this game. I, I just don't know, frankly, what I'm going to get from either team, Richie. It's what makes it low stakes. Yes, 100%. But it's a really, really intriguing matchup. 100% is. Especially with the way that Arizona State decided to play their last game against Washington. This is a determined football team and a team that clearly is dead set on backing up their word of we're going to shock the world. They did shock the world. And something tells me they're not done yet. These guys are buying in to the mentality of we're better than you think we are. And we want you to doubt us so that we can come in and make you look stupid. I think Arizona state is going to put together a little, a little like revenge tour, so to speak in the sense of like, you just knocked off a, a uh, ranked ranked opponent. And at one point in time, Washington was looking like one of the big favorites to win the conference. And obviously that, that hope is pretty much gone with two losses now, but yeah, you you have this huge win. You have winnable games to end the year. Arizona State wants to send a message. Stanford can't take this team lightly. No one in the Pac-12 can take this team lightly. They played USC close on the road. They beat Washington in Tempe. I think right now Arizona State is playing winning football. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not they can actually pull out a win. But this is not a this is not an easy game for anyone. No, and I just don't think there are any easy games for for these two teams, right? Because they are struggling to this point in the year. I don't think they have any easy wins. So when you have these winnable opportunities, you got to be able to capitalize them if you're going to put up uh, some W's in in the win column by, by the time the season comes to a close. Two more games coming this weekend. Oregon State, Colorado State. A fascinating line in that game that I want Richie's thoughts on because I've got a bold prediction. Beavs have been a team I have been riding all year long. And I tell you what, I'm thinking about them again. I'll tell you why after I tell you about our friends over at bet online, your number one source for football betting and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, Go Mariners, MMA Boxing, my personal favorite, golf. Head to the website today, or you can use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online is where the game starts. Speaking of starting the game, it's 23 and a half right now for Colorado at Oregon State. I don't need to tell you who's laying the points there, the Beavs in Corvallis, of course, but I'm intrigued by this line, Richie, and it is a lot for Oregon State to cover with a backup quarterback and a team that 
I talked about the other day here on the show, much like Washington State, at least in the short run, without Chance Nolan there and the offense firing on all cylinders, this is a defensively-led team. It's a very good defensively-led team. Their secondary is nasty against Power 5 opponents this year. You know who allows the fewest yards per game at about 360? Oregon State. They have been really good on that side of the ball. Colorado's offense has been dreadful. Do I love Oregon State's offense? No. But I am strongly considering, for the fledgling Pac-12 prime picks at this point in time, the Beavs minus 23 and a half. And here's why, Richie. I'm not kidding. Colorado might not score a touchdown in this game. I think that is completely possible. You are on the road. It doesn't matter who's playing. The Research Stadium faithful are going to show up. And that defense is in some kind of zone. And Colorado just put up 20 in overtime at home against a middling Cal defense. I really think you could look up at the end of this game and the final score is like 28 or 30 to 3. I think that is totally possible. This Colorado Buffaloes team has been so anemic on offense, to put it politely. They just struggle to get into the end zone. They had two touchdowns last week, offensively, I believe. Of of those touchdowns, that's, man, I, I think they have like 10 total offensive touchdowns on the year. Two of them came last week. This is not a team that puts up touchdowns regularly. Now you're going on the road to Corvallis. Now you're playing a very tough Oregon, Oregon State uh, Beavers team. And they are just... <laughs> They're, they're playing they're well. Still, yeah, they're they're playing well, and they're they're still fighting for the respect of everyone because people still look at Oregon State as not even the younger brothers in the Pac-12. They're really they're still an afterthought to everyone, and it shouldn't be that way at this point because they've been good for a couple of years now. And I wouldn't be surprised if they took Oregon behind or not Oregon took a uh, uh, Colorado behind the woodshed and just painted their back porch red. Like I th- I just think that. Oregon state is desperately trying to say like, you need to start looking at us. Like we're so much better than anyone who's willing to give us credit for. And one thing you always want to look at, or at least that that I do when thinking about who could win a game or who could cover a certain spread, what's a team's motivation level. Now, Colorado, I saw some awesome video of Mike Sanford, the interim head coach and OC. Uh, he was the OC with Darrell and is now the interim head coach talking to his team about, it's a new season, right? We're starting over. We're starting fresh. We're 1-0. Now we're going to try and go 2-0. It's awesome content. I loved that moment. However, Oregon State came into this year, not with Pac-12 championship goals, but to be an 8- or 9-win regular season team. And that goal is right in front of them. They've had a couple of dramatic late second wins they've needed to get there. Yes, but guess what? They got them. They found a way. They got those wins, and they have a bye after this week. And then they have to go at Washington on a Friday night in what will be the best game imaginable for two teams that are more likely than not chaos could ensue, but not going to likely be in the Pac-12 championship picture. I think the Beavs still have a ton to play for here, and I think their motivation level is up here. I think Colorado's is on the rise, sure, because before it was just... Let, yeah, it was before with, with Darrell there, it was just let's go play and, you know, try and just get a win or something like that. But now they're playing for an interim head coach. 
I, I understand that that can galvanize a team the way it did Arizona State. I was going to say, to, I can tell Washington. you firsthand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I've seen that before, but I don't think that this is an offense that can overcome. Like Arizona State is Has not a great team, but they at least have some semblance of talent. We have like ex-Validay and Elijah Badger. Yeah, it's not a lot, but it's more than what you've got at Colorado. And I think on the road against Oregon State, if that number, if I can get that number under 24, that that's that's enticing to me. That is enticed 27 to three. That seems like a score that could come out. I think the final score is going to be 28 to three. I really, really do. I love, I love the Beavs defense that much. A team's defense who nobody loves right now, including Husky fans is Washington's because they can't stop anybody allowed 39 points at home to Arizona. Injuries are not in the secondary Washington, a team with that much talent, the way they've recruited the last few years. Even after losing a couple NFL guys in Kyler Gordon and uh, and, and McDuffie. McDuffie. Yeah, Trent McDuffie. It shouldn't be at this level, right? And I think it's telling that they're going to play a middling Cal team. And usually we're looking at trap games here. This is the only one that falls into that category for me. Because I think Oregon State rolls. And I think Washington, I think this is a win and cover game for the Huskies. Because it's sitting at seven and a half. And people are probably going to rush to bet the Huskies and say, well, Washington can score a bunch of points and Cal's offense isn't any good. Washington hasn't been able to stop anybody. And Cal, although they don't have, you know, championship aspirations this year either, you know, those guys are going to be playing ticked off. They're coming back home. They lost to a bad Colorado team. Is Cal good? No, I've been down on them all year. But... But, 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 Richie, but, 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 there is something to be said about teams that lose on the road to in a game they should have won. We thought that going in and we thought that as the game played out, they should have won the game and now they come back home. I think Washington will get more of a fight than you would expect here. I I will preface that by saying I have struggled to predict Washington games this season. They did have a little bit of a bounce back there against Arizona. They didn't cover 14, but they did, you know, control the game for, for the most part against the Wildcats and their offense took over. But Cal's offense has been struggling, but what better defense to play right now than Washington's? I feel like that's pretty much a spot on statement, right? What better way to get your confidence back up than to play this Washington defense? And it's so funny that you mentioned Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, because before them, it was Buda Baker. It was Sidney Rice. It was Kevin King. It was or not Sidney Rice, uh, Sidney Jones. Excuse me. Yep. Like they it, they were trying to build themselves up as like a, a little mini DBU. And no, they, they were doing been a, a mini. very that's good been, job. That's been yeah. their very well-earned brand. Taylor Rapp as well. Guy who's played Taylor for the Rapp, Rams. Yes. Really good player. Dude, there's tons of guys that have come out of there recently. And they just apparently weren't able to reload this year, which is weird to me because they've seriously, like we said, they've built themselves up a nice little repertoire there as being a good secondary team, but they just don't have the guys this year. They're getting thrown all over a uh, new, new staff. I think is struggling too mm-hmm. to, to fully implement the schemes. Like there was a moment where guy like they, they just look lost sometimes and they don't Trent, look like they play with enough tenacity when they need to tackle someone in space at the second level. 
Right. Trent Borgay comes into that game in the middle of the game with 12 career pass attempts and throws three touchdowns. Yeah, that shouldn't happen ever. No, like, I, I mean, I, I love Trenton as much as the next Arizona State fan. Absolutely nobody in the world, not even Trenton, could have predicted that he would come out mid-game with 12 career pass attempts and not only beat a ranked team, but be the reason that you beat a ranked team. And then Jaden Delora goes up to Seattle and... 400. Yeah. 400 passing yards, Richie. 400 passing yards. He just threw up numbers like he was playing NCAA 12 or something. Like, it was insane. Well, you know, so was the guy on the other side, Michael Penix, who went for over 500, which I believe was a, was that a guy's always putting record. up video game numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's that's what he's been doing this year. I think part of it is a philosophical approach, right? Kalen DeBoer is an offensive coach, and sometimes when that happens, the other side of the ball can just slip a little. And yes, th- their defensive staff is clearly not as strong as it was, but overall, the staff is clearly a massive upgrade from what they had a year ago, and. They can just outscore people, which is a formula for winning games in a much easier fashion than it is your defense keeping you around and trying to, you know, get by with a pretty bad offense. Because we call that the California Golden Bears and their defense keeps them in a lot of games, but they haven't hired a new OC, even though they've needed to. They can't move the ball outside of Jay Knott. They don't have a lot of great personnel, but they're going up against a Washington defense that is just not playing its best football right now, even from what we saw earlier in the year, right? They made life tough on Stanford and Michigan State at home. I thought they'd be a little better against Arizona, but the Wildcats can can really move the ball and sling it around. So um, I like Washington to win, but I, I think I'm taking Cal to cover there. And you can tune in tomorrow for my weekly edition of the Pac-12 Prime Picks, which, look, if you're coming on to, to listen to them just to fade them for the last couple of weeks, I, I can't hold it against you, but... At some point, I promise you, I'm going to write this ship and a couple of early contenders, nothing final. Cal getting seven and a half at home against Washington and Oregon State. It is under 23 and a half. I think I got to lock that one in right now under 24. I think I think I, I take the bees there. But uh, Richie, I think we're actually we, we didn't do game predictions yet for uh, for ASU and Stanford. I, I'm taking the Cardinal here just because I've got David Shaw on this sideline at home. And I've got Sean Aguano on the other. No disrespect intended. It's just an experience thing. Yes, I know. I'm I'm so sorry. But the four games this week, I think Oregon wins. UCLA covers if it's raining. If it's going to rain just a little drizzle, I think Oregon covers. But I like Washington to win. I like Oregon State to win. What are you feeling with this Arizona State-Stanford game? I got Arizona State. Like, I'm, mm. I'm feeling this team. I... The way that they played that game against Washington, the way that they stepped into that media room after the game to talk to, to, to talk to all of us, it's just these guys, they're playing for something right now. Now, I'm going to say this just as like an expression, not actually saying this, but the way they're playing right now makes us say like we want Bama. Like we truly are feeling this team is so hungry to just play against anyone and put up a good game, win, lose, or tie, sun devils till you die kind of logic with it. And it's like, I look at Stanford, who's not the best team in the world, and they they have stuff they have to play for, like we talked about. Like, this is one of the biggest games of the year for them, and it's against a two-win team. This is as equally important in game for Arizona State 
And I think that Arizona State might be a little hungrier right now. And for the first time this year, I am I am letting my heart guide me a little bit with this one. I've tried to be objective for the most part. I I I truly just think this is Arizona State's football game. All righty. Agreement on three of the four games. We will wait to see how it all plays out. Richie Bradshaw, host of Locked On at Sun Devils. Catch him on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. I am always happy here to talk Pac-12 football and eventually basketball with you too, Spencer. Yes, indeed. Basketball season is not far away. And we talk about that here on the show as well. Can't wait. But for right now, it is football season till we die. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.